Welcome to the Crack House Podcast. We are here at Rick Bronson's House of Comedy in Phoenix, Arizona. This episode is brought to you by Old Arroyo Entertainment. And as always, Big Pine Comedy Festival is September 19th through 22nd in beautiful Flagstaff, Arizona. Now let me introduce to you your host, Matt Broom. How you doing, buddy? I am doing absolutely perfect. Thank you for asking my other co-host, Jack Galvin. How are you doing? Oh my gosh, it is, uh, it is getting hot, but I am doing fantastic. I got flip-flops on, so I feel really comfortable. Really comfortable. You shouldn't be as comfortable as you are in those flip-flops. You have <laughs> fingers for toes, and it looks amazing. You should paint them. I should paint them. I should. Uh, Producer Buck, how you doing today, bud? Oh, man, I'm actually recovering from a nasty spill I took wearing wet flip-flops. Well, wet flip-flops? Oh, they're the most dangerous kind of flip-flops. Are yours dry? Mine are always dry. Do you have, do you have a sweat, sweaty feet problem? No, I was just in the pool, wearing them in the pool. Okay. He was wearing them at the shower at LA Fitness, <laughs> which this... Episode is not brought to you by. No, it's not. But I mean, this. It, it, it could be if you're listening. There's a lot of knowledge in this episode coming up. This is a very educational. No flip flop knowledge. Show. No. Just great stand up. Real comedy knowledge. Yeah, this guy. From knows. a real comedy veteran. He is no foreigner to the stage, mm-hmm. although he is from Haiti. <laughs> and if you're wondering who it is, it is Ruben Paul. So you you recruited out of what? Out of high school. High school? High school football player. And coach, and I played safety and corner. Safety and corner? Yeah. And uh, Coach Lewis uh, had our area. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess he recruited to L.A. And um, he was he was a good dude. But anyway, when I was at, at this, uh, when I was when I was playing, I was depressed. I was like, fuck, I don't want to play at this school, man. And I called Coach Lewis. Like, Two years after the fact. And I go, hey, man, I speak to uh, Coach Lewis. And I was like, who's this? And then I was like, oh, it's, it's Ruben Paul. And um, they're like, hold on. He gets on the phone and goes, hey, Ruben, how are you, man? And I go, I'm miserable, Coach. Um, and he goes, what can I do for you? I was like, I don't know. I was like, and here's the thing. I wasn't even asking. He was at Pitt. I wasn't even asking. Oh, he was at Pitt? That's yeah. what I was going to ask. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't even asking to go to Pitt. He's like, Ruben, I don't, I don't have any more scholarships you know, to give away. And then he goes, but you know, and he goes, I said, I want to stay in California anyway. And he goes, well, you know, Coach, Coach Huntley really, really, really liked you also. It was, a, it was a competitive, and he was at UCLA. Okay. He's like, um, you know, I'll give him a call for you and then connect you to, and he, he called Coach Huntley for me. Really? Connected me and him. Uh, I went to, a, it didn't end up working out ultimately. Yeah. I didn't end up at UCLA. But uh, the fact that he would do something like that that's pretty like, awesome. He, he had no reason to do any of that whatsoever. You know? It's not, and it's not like we were close or anything. He was just recruiting a kid from the Southern California area. You know what I mean? And I basically told him no. And then... Yeah, but you were the number one safety in I corner. I wish I was. I was good. So I was good. I wasn't, I wasn't great. You were fast then, though. I was pretty fast, but I was I was physical. That was my thing. I was I, I was I was brute. really 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 smart. Mm-hmm. Like I could read offenses really quickly. Like I can call, like as soon as they line up, I could call out the play. Yeah. So that so that made up for any athletic, you know, 
Now, you say you're a smart player, that, yeah. and yet you're still your favorite team still the Raiders. So I'm kind of well, confused. Well, that's, that's my heart. That, that, um, that's, that's all heart because they, you was, know. That was a low blow. Who, and who's your favorite team? <laughs> okay, well, so, we, so my team's <laughs> Buffalo this, Bills. This is, this is what I laugh at. How many Super Bowls have Buffalo won? Listen, we don't need to talk about that. And then that. now you want to talk. bring up the Raiders. At least we have, we, we have trophies in our case at the facility. You know we have you know the best worse? record in in NFL history. NFL history, yeah. Is that is that that's not a real fact? You have the what? The best record. No one else is going to lose four Super Bowls. We are oh, we are no, down. Okay. No one's going to break break that record. What's worse than not winning a Super Bowl, losing four in a row? No, that's great. You know how much talent you have to have to lose four Super I'm Bowls a in a row. I'm a Bengals. We, we've lost. We, we're we, on the we, take we the whole zero. time. So, uh, sorry, of, we, we're, we're, we're doing right a live now. project right now. Yeah. The club in Kuala Lumpur? Well, the name we decided No, on. Well, I've been there too. That was great. No, this is our, the, the name of our podcast now is The Crack House. Rick, oh, okay. Rick, Rick decided on The Crack House. Well, there's, which a, com- we like. there's, there's a comedy uh, club in KL called uh, The Crack House. Well, I'm sorry. I'm on my international shit, and you know nothing about that. Oh, 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 wow. I'm sorry. Do oh. I perform all over the world? Oh. I'm sorry. That hurts. <laughs> you know, I'm going Well, to- when I was at the Chuckle Hut in Tucson, <laughs> can you relate now, Maddie? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I'm at Dangerfields this weekend. I think that's a different country, isn't it? You didn't have, you didn't have when to I was at Stand Up Scottsdale, it's no longer there, is it? Huh? Yeah. 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 Fucking a long time. He's fucking Howard. I like Howard. You know, speaking of international comedy, you know, you bring up a good point because I haven't. I mean, I've traveled all over the Are we globe. This? Yeah, yeah. We're, no, we're totally going right now. It doesn't matter because nobody's listening. It's just conversational. But, okay. Uh, I've traveled all over the globe, but not really for for comedy. Just traveled. But you have gone everywhere for comedy. Where was what was your favorite destination for comedy? Um, I like a lot of places for a lot of different reasons, but. Um, Shanghai was like, well, Hong Kong was really like the first place where I just really was like, whoa, um, people like me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right? Yeah, my shows were selling out like crazy. And it was just so different because I was terrified to go over there for the first time because it's Hong Kong. You don't know what to expect. I'm yeah. like, you ask the stupid questions. They're like, are they going to be able to understand me? Like, uh, they right. wouldn't be bringing me if they wouldn't be able to understand me. I don't speak Cantonese. So... But going over there was one of, like, you just feel really, really appreciated, and it helped really broaden my comedy also because, you know, you're not going to be in Hong Kong or in Shanghai or in Dubai or Abu Dhabi doing local references. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, but I didn't really have that issue because I never really did that anyway, but it really helped me just make my act more personal. So for them... I equate it to them, like somebody watching a movie. Like you don't have to relate to the movie to learn and, and get the plot and go along with it. So I kind of just present my story, what I have to say, and they go with it. Well, your comedy is very personal. It's about your life and it's about your family. So yeah. that, that it translates to any Anywhere. culture. Yeah. yeah. And it was I was encouraged, at, you know, because the first time they asked me to go over there, I was like, why do they want me to go over there? My buddy Paul Ogata um, was the first guy to refer me. And for, I told him no, and then uh, the booker contacted me, and then he gave me an offer, and the money was so low, I'm like, nah, I'm not doing that. And, you know, because my thing was to fly all the way overseas to make the same money I could make 
at home yeah. just didn't make any sense. Except for the experience, well, you get to see everything. That's 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 what changed it because my buddy was like, you know what, dude? He goes, why don't he goes? It's if you've never been, you know, you should just go, you know. And uh, the guy just contacted me randomly, like a year later, and he's like, hey, I know you weren't interested last time. I'm just touching base because your name keeps coming up. Like people kept referring me to the gig, and I had nothing going on, and uh, I was like. Yeah, I'll do it. And I went, and it was one of the best experiences of my life and one of the best things I, I could have done because I just learned so much, experienced so much, and just and just grew. And working with so many big-name acts and seeing a room full of people that actually come to see you yeah, as opposed to just like, hey, what's going on here? I don't know. Let's go to the House of Comedy. Who's there? I don't know. Let's just go. But it's a, it's a different vibe when people are actually coming to see you and anticipating to see you. That's a whole different energy yeah. in the room. And I used to envy that, you know, working with some of the guys, you know, and they're filling up, you know, clubs and arenas and theaters with all their fans. And it's like shooting fish in a barrel. You know what I mean? It's, it's a home game. Everybody loves them and they're for them. And that was one of the, not saying that I had never had people come out to see me before, but on that level internationally was bizarre, you know, because you know, it's just jokes like, wow, I had to go to Hong Kong to feel that. To feel know? it. Well, and you it's know? and it's amazing too, because that's not just a destination. Like they saved up for that. It's not just like a, a weekend thing. Like the, in most of those countries, like they have to save and that is a huge event. So it is, it's Absolutely. A, I mean, so yeah, it's a big deal. It's just not like then, America, you could go do something every weekend, but like, oh yeah, I'm going to go see this and not even think about it. Yeah. And it just, it gives you a lot of confidence, you know, and then you go to South Africa and then I'm, I'm playing these huge venues with a buddy of mine, uh, a comedian out of South Africa named David Cow, you know, who will pack in 8,000 people into a place and you're the headliner and they're coming to see you. Yeah. You know, and that just gave me a lot of confidence, you know, coming back to the States and it's helped me, you know, grow in different markets. You know, so now if I'm working the House of Comedy in Minnesota, there's people that actually come back multiple times mm-hmm. and they bring family and they bring friends into me. And sometimes they'll come back twice in the same week. And um, that's just a great compliment. Oh, it's a huge you know compliment. I mean? Yeah. When you're like, yo. Like, yeah, I was here on Wednesday. I just brought my friends. And you're like, you're just so grateful and appreciative of that. Because they liked it so much that they couldn't wait to show their friends they had to come back right away. Yeah. That's that's huge. So that's, you know, that's something that um, I don't take for granted. Because like I said, it's it's not always like that. Like this comedy, you know, business is not easy. You know, and there's a lot of great comics, a lot of great comics out there who don't have a following. You know what I mean? Who are you know, just grinding on the road and, you know, performing in front of, you know, audiences that could care less who's on stage. But, you know, you got to make them care. Yeah, paper yeah. room. So you got to make them care. You got to you got to make fans. So every time you get on stage, there's an opportunity. And I always look at it like this. If I come to your club and you promote me correctly, out of that audience, I know at least at least 10% of the people will come back and see me another time. You know, you got to figure, you know, in a, in a packed room, even if, if they're forced to come here, yeah. you know, or the room was paper, or they got tickets on Groupon, whatever. If they didn't come to see Ruben Paul, to, I look at that as an opportunity to win people over. 
you know, so when they come saying, go, and, and I'll be shaking hands, like, I got to be honest, never heard of you, but you were fantastic. I'll definitely be here the next time, you know, you're back. And then yeah. when I come back, did everybody who said they're going to come back come back? No, but does a portion of them come back? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then you just figure each time you come back to a market, your numbers will st keep, hopefully keep growing and growing and growing and growing. So I think this is, what, my third time here at this it's club? Right here, yeah. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? So... Hopefully this week is better than the last time. Now, there's other factors that time of year, et cetera, right. et cetera, that factor into what your numbers could be. But as long as I'm growing and, and uh, have the opportunity to really promote and get my name out there and, you know, it's something that, um, you know, I'm proud of to have the opportunity to do. Well, it's funny that you bring that up because I've been uh, lucky enough and uh, to be able to, I did the, the first two shows that you did here or the first yeah, two we weeks, did, uh, New, Year's, New Year's Eve, yeah. and then we did the, oh, I did was here for the other one too, yeah. yeah. And uh, my family found out that you were here today and uh -huh. I'm, I'm obviously not going to be here this week, but yeah. they're like, oh, Ruben's here. And so everybody's coming to the show tonight because you're our family's favorite comic. They're like, oh, we don't care if you're on the show or not. We're going to go see Ruben. And I'm like, that's fine. No, but Ruben that's cool. But your family always gets tired of you. You know what right, I mean? Right. Like my sister, like my, uh, like my sister goes, you performing? I go, yeah. And then she's like, I don't know why I asked. I'm not coming. <laughs> but she'll come to the big shows. If I'm doing a big show, that's when she wants to be there. But the, the thing that's cool, though, that Rick, Rick and Tammy do, that a lot of clubs don't do is they actually, when they like somebody, they give you an opportunity to grow in the market. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of people, a lot of clubs don't do that. You know, they just want to get whoever they think can sell tickets. And it's like, yeah, but you know, that person might only sell tickets once. And what I mean by that, you know, the club books them, they sell out and then they're awful. And then nobody comes back to see them. Right. Yeah. Clash in the pain. So it will be better to, Get somebody who you really believe is like, man, this person is is talented. This person is good. Mm -hmm. Let's let's give them an opportunity. And Rick and Tammy are are, are great about that. But there's a few clubs that would do that, mm -hmm. um, but not a lot. More more should because how do you build stars for the future? I guess you wait for Hollywood to tell you who a star is instead of <laughs> I mean, you <laughs> maybe finding out. Like if you if if Brian Regan waited on Hollywood, would Brian Regan be Brian Regan? A lot of people have no idea who Brian Regan is, but he fills up theaters, 3,000, 4,000 seat theaters. And the average person might not know of him, but clubs gave him an opportunity mm -hmm. to build his following and grow. And of course he did work. Like you can't sit on your ass and not promote it on social media or you know, do the necessary work of shaking hands. Like, do I want to shake hands with every single person after the show? Not really, but it's important. You know, right. but and I, but on the same time, I don't want to say I don't want to shake their hands, but it's it's important to make a connection with the people who spent money to come see you. Well, that makes back a, for the connection. Yes, that makes a huge difference. And and I was just telling some other comics about that this week actually, because they leave after their the set, set and yeah. like, why would you all, leave all, all after your set? How many times have you spoken to a friend and go, I went to this uh, club and I saw this one guy who's really funny, but I can't remember his name. Oh, all the time. So if that happens all the time, you're really putting yourself at a disadvantage if you don't at least stay to the end of the show yep. and connect with people and they go, all right, I'll remember your name. Sometimes, I'm the headliner sometimes I go, tell me your name again. I'm like, Ruben Paul, man, you're great. Right. I'm going to come back and see you again. And they will. And, you know? and most of the times they're, they're leaving to go to a mic. Yeah. Where it's just comics. Yeah. And it's just like, you're at a real 
comedy club. And you have a venue. You have have an opportunity opportunity to make fans. Go make them. Yeah. How many times have I seen, where's that one guy at? Yeah. Just watching a show and I'm like, I think he left. Yeah. And just just to thank the audience, you know, when when you put on a great show and, and you could feel the response of the room. It's like, why not, you know, at the end of the night, you know, and that's why sometimes, you know, I do sell, I do sell merch. I didn't bring any, I'm out of merch uh, for this week, but sometimes it's nice to even be out there to connect with the people without you trying to sell them something. Oh right? yeah. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And even when I do sell merch, I tell the audience, you don't have to buy anything from me. If you just want to come by and say hi and take a take picture, a picture. Yep. I'm fine with that. Like, don't, you don't have to put your head down when you're walking by me. Like, man, I would go say hi to the guy, but I'm going to feel guilty if I don't buy a shirt. Like, you don't have to. I see a lot of comics doing that before they get off stage. And they, yeah. When they pitch their merch, they're yeah. like, they tell people, it's okay if you don't buy something, still say hi. Yeah. People just, that's just, that's just the nature of people. They exactly. just don't really want to. Yeah. And, but yeah, when, when you're out there with no merch, that's when they get they get real loose. <laughs> oh, exactly. Like, oh my god, I don't have to buy that CD, you know, or whatever. Because you know, on the flip side is, you know, an area like this is a little bit more affluent. But a lot of times, you know, people have already spent money, you know, on a date, oh, yeah. drinks, food, etc. They're already two item minimum. Yeah, they're, they're already at hundred dollars. You know what I mean? And then it's like. Man, I want to say hi to this guy, but I'm I'm fucking tapped. <laughs> you know, and they're coming over there with their girlfriend. My favorite is when you know you can look at the guy's face and you know he's broke, and his girlfriend is there. It's like, oh my god, honey, I want to get one of those shirts. And he's like, fuck. You just see I just dropped one fifty. Now I got to spend an extra forty dollars on these shirt that you're not gonna wear. You know, or that you are gonna wear to bed with me. <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't want you wearing his shirt. Yeah. <laughs> But but the good thing about it, any shirt that I wear, I mean, not that I wear, that I sell, I do make it a shirt that you would want to wear out. It wouldn't be like some corny little thing that no one, you know what I mean? It's that wearable. no one else would get. Yeah, I used to I used to do a joke years ago where the punchline was "I'm an astronaut." So I used to share, share these, sell these sh- shirts that said "I'm an astronaut." Now, whether you've seen or heard of Reuben Paul, that's a funny shirt to wear out to a bar. So I'm go, yeah, I'm an astronaut. But the problem with that, though, is it's not connected to me. So why am I pushing something that's not directly in correlation? Wasn't that me? like an insult when we were kids? Like, I used to remember telling people, like, your mom's an astronaut. Like, that was an insult like, no, when never. I was a child. My, mine was I have a, no idea what you're talking about right now. Yeah. It's a different time for me. It's yeah. a different time, you young kids. I don't think that, I, I'm pretty what, sure you won't What year either. was this, Matt? Back in 1912. Well, back in my days. No. <laughs> when I was a boy. Well, the, the joke was connected to um, women are cocky. And uh, if you meet a woman with a good job, you know, damn, I haven't done this joke in so long. If you if you meet a woman with a good job, uh, you don't even have to, have to ask her what she does. She'll, she'll tell you. you. And then you, you'll you walk up on her and go, uh, hey, girl, how you doing? She's like, you know, I'm a lawyer now. I'm like, all right, uh, calm down. And she's like, yeah, I got a good job, a new house and a Mercedes. What do you do? I'm like, bitch, I'm an astronaut. <laughs> Can you beat that? <laughs> so... And it was at the time. It was one of my popular jokes that I was kind of known for. Um, but as I've developed as a comic, you know, you to me, you want merch where as soon as you see it, you know who is connected to. Like, oh shit, that's Ruben Paul. Now, if they it might strike up a conversation, go, hey, where'd you get the show? Oh, I saw this comedian. You got to see him. But that's a lot of fucking conversation. Yeah, for to sure. Have yeah, to yeah. get to Ruben Paul, where you as the comedian should be the focal point. Got to be brand right. specific. Has to be brand specific. Hundred yeah. percent. No. So that's sure. why I don't, and I used to sell this other shirt that used to clean up. 
I had a woman's shirt that said, I'm scrumptious. Because I used to do a joke about uh, words black people don't use. Words like scrumptious, shenanigans, lollygag, topsy-turvy, tomfoolery. Like I had a whole list of words. And this bit used to kill. So at the end of the show, I would sell these shirts that said, I'm scrumptious. I'm and the line of women buying these women baby tees. I should br- I should bring that shirt. <laughs> the you joke even, and the shirt you can't back. Say that joke like as I'm I'm scrumptious, baby. Like that's not even no, it's impossible. I feel like you're gonna make sure that soon, man. I'm scrumptious. Say scrumptious just because you heard what you said. Just a line of women. It's already been done, man. Sorry, done. <laughs> matter, new stuff. Uh, matter of fact, I'm about to uh, record an uh, an album or release an album of just material that I don't even do anymore. Just like classic bits that no one has ever seen that I've that's that I've never performed. Really, that people like. And my manager came up with this. She's like, "You have so much material that you don't even do anymore." You know, why don't you That's just... That's a great idea. Why don't I you wish I had that problem. It? I really wish I had the problem. And I was... And to, to you know, to come work. up with it's it... work. To come up with it, I literally had to go through hours of footage, and I'm looking at it going, holy shit, why did I stop doing that joke? Damn, man, I don't do that joke anymore. I should. But I've evolved as a person and as a comic, so it doesn't really fit into what I do yeah. now. How so far you, back are you going? We're talking about like 2004. Oh, wow, okay. You know what I mean? But it's funny when you do that, you can find jokes that you didn't really know how to do back then and recreate them. Like I found versions of old jokes that I do and I go, oh, damn, I didn't realize I did that joke 10 years ago. But now I know how to do it better. And what you see now is the evolved, polished form of that original bit that you did a while ago. But um, it's a good problem to have, you know, because the good thing is when I do... Uh, when I do shoot my special and release it, I don't have to, I could tour immediately. You know, that's why if you notice, comedians do, they release their special at the end of their tour. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why? Because after they do the special, that material's burned and they don't have any other, they they need to create a whole hour before they can tour again. Yeah. Somebody like me who's not quote unquote famous I can release a special that will hopefully make me famous, and then I can tour immediately because I have tons of material that no one has yeah. ever seen from 10 years ago. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, you yeah. know, that I still can make relevant or whatever the case may be. When, when did you start comedy? Uh, I started comedy almost 20 years ago. Wow. Yeah. How old are you? A little, little, little over 20 years. I don't tell my age. You don't tell your age? <laughs> but... Matt doesn't either. I was 95. You're not supposed to, not <laughs> supposed to say your age. when I started. <laughs> 95. When you're in entertainment, you're not supposed to say your age. It takes you out of roles, Jack. Um, <laughs> but it was... Um, takes me out of roles. Yeah, it's... it's uh, this journey of comedy is not an easy journey, man. But you got to love it. Yeah. You know, if you don't love it, don't get into it. A lot of people want to get into it, get famous, and it does happen for certain people. But... Uh, to really be a comic and to really do this and to put up with what we have to put up with. I mean, if you don't love it, I don't know why you're doing it because who would want to put up with this punishment? <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, the, you know, 
not be people not having your money at the end of the gig, or they said they were going to pay you this and then they didn't pay this. Which I wanted to bring that up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Rick and Tammy, the way the way this happened, there was there was a currency thing between Canada and the U.S. There was some there was some transaction. Trump stopped it at the wall. I don't know what happened, but But uh, your money's people have no idea what we go through as comedians, you know. And then you you show up and. You know, the, the accommodations, they put you in some shitty com, uh, condo, fucking roaches cr- climbing on the wall, or, you know, they don't pick you up from the airport, or something, you know. Again, about that, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of... <laughs> It's a lot of shit that you that you put up with, and then just just the struggle to try to even get stage time sometimes yeah. to be seen. You know, like Hard there's some dope ass comedians. That's why when I do my show in LA, obviously I put established comedians on, on, on the show because those are the ones that I'm most familiar with and I've have friendships with. But I love exposing the audience to comedians that have been dope for a long time yeah. that they've never heard of or seen. Like, oh, my God, that one guy, what was that? He was so funny. And I'm like, that's whoever. And they're like, where did he come from? Like, yeah, he's been doing comedy like 17 years. And you've never seen him. Like, wow, no wonder he was so good. You know, he doesn't get the exposure. Or you do find a young comic who just can't get a break. And then you put him on and they're like, holy shit, he's hilarious. You know, but they're struggling to get stage time. So I just try to, you know, when I have the power, a little bit of control, to uh, get people exposed, uh, and, and and my and my philosophy with the show is, even the way that I do the lineups is, I, I want to put people in a position so everyone can shine, because t- to me, a comedy lineup isn't about who's the best comic. Sometimes it's energies. You know, you've you've heard the story of Chris Rock doing Bring the Pain, which he won Emmys and all these awards for, but when he did it in Oakland, going after Cedric the Entertainer. It didn't work. It didn't work. Right. And it's, it's and it's not that one comic is better than the other. It's like they have different, different styles. Yeah. Like if you have somebody who's high energy and is an impressionist and does all these things and does songs and pulls out a guitar, you might not want to put a one-liner comic after that guy. Yeah, yeah. no, for sure. You know, yeah. and a lot of people put lineups together, they don't putting think people in a position not to win. Like, and and I'll tell comics this has like. Everybody on this lineup is great. The lineup has nothing to do with who's stronger than who or who's white. It's just what I feel as the best flow, flow of the store. The best flow of the show. You know what I mean? And the audience will love it. The comedians leave happy. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you have a big name and I'll put them on in the middle of the show. Why? Because his style is more conducive. And then I got some guy that's going to be doing backflips up here. Yeah. You know, that y- you won't be as successful going after this guy. So is this all about trying to put comics in a good light where they where they can succeed? More people should do that. Why are you looking at me when we're talking? <laughs> well, well, yeah. Well, it's, well I'll, I'll tell you another joking. thing, and this is this is to Matt, and I'm not saying Matt does this, but you have a, a headliner, and your headliner is clean, uh-huh. and then you book an, a feature who's dirty. Like, why would you do that? And clubs do that all the time, and the comic is. Coming up, I'm going, dude, this dude has been talking about his dick and pussy for the last, you know, 30 minutes. Now I got to go up there with my, you know, 
wholesome act after yeah. that. Right. And that's why a lot of acts, like a lot of headliners, when you get to the headliner position, you bring a guy with you, hopefully that's really, really funny, mm-hmm. even though we know guys don't do that, but hopefully you bring somebody who's really, really funny and who compliments, compliments your style. Compliments your style, yeah. You know? Like Just sometimes sure. you don't want, I, you know, I won't say any names, but I know some black comics don't want black comics on the show with them because mm-hmm. they feel like it's going to take away their... Mystique. Whatever. <laughs> the jokes might be too similar. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, or whatever. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? But see, one thing that pisses me off about that, it gives the illusion that all black comics are the same and we're exactly. not. I can book a show with all black comics that are all totally different. Smart, funny, edgy, whatever, and we're all totally different. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Just like you can sure. book a show with all white comics. Though. But no one says that about white no. comics. <laughs> you know, no, no white comics say, hey, don't put another white comic on me because you're going to, like, there's this stereotype. You might talk about the same things. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Not, ever, not all, all black talk, comics all... talk about the same thing. Now, <laughs> yeah. can there be a redundancy in, com- in, in comedy? Absolutely. But that's not just black comedy. No. There's Jewish comics. There's Mexican comics. That's Asian comics. Gay comics. Gay comics. It's across the board. But they try to put that shit on black comics and have us carry the mantle. Yeah. I know why, because we kind of push the ethnic door open you know, as far as comedy goes, like we were the first ethnic um, group to, you know, come out and dominate the comedy world. And we still do to this day. Black people are just funnier than everybody else. This is a true so, story. That is a very true story. I'm I'm in total agreement. I am totally Well, agreement. half of you is in yes. total agreement. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the white half's the manager, the black half's the comedian is what the problem the funny comes from the black. No, it's, a, it's an interesting point, and it's very, it is very true. Now, do you consider yourself a clean comic? Um, I mean, I don't talk about sex in, in my act. Uh, do I? And I'm not. I don't have a. I'm, as a headliner, I don't have a lot of rules for the opener. The only thing I care about for my opener is uh, number one, uh, don't run the light. And and if you're a feature, this is just my opinion. Just don't do a ton of crowd work. Because when I was coming up as a feature, I wasn't even allowed to talk to the crowd. And I didn't want to talk to the crowd. You know why I didn't want to talk to the crowd? I wanted to prove to the club that I had enough material to come back and headline. So now you got guys that, that will come up, their features, and they do 20, 25 minutes, and half their act is crowd work. Yeah. And they're killing, which is fine. But as the headliner, I, you, now I don't have the right to say to somebody, go, Hey, uh, so where are you from? Milwaukee. The other guy already asked us. That makes you want to get off the stage and slap the fucking feature in the face. It's not your fucking show, dude. I, let me ask all the questions. I'm the one that's... Do- You're only doing 25 minutes. What the... You, you got to talk to the audience in 25 minutes? Really? You know, even when I worked with George Lopez, I wasn't allowed to talk to the audience. He hates talking to... The- and there's a lot of comics who feel like that. But, you know, it's a, it's a different time. And my whole thing, I don't say it in a mean way because I could follow anything. I don't give a damn what you do. Just don't burn the light and go over your time. But my preference is for you as an artist, if I'm trying to help you, dude, just go in there and smash this crowd so this so the club can see that you got what you that you have the, that you got material, you got time. man. That you got the time. Because let me tell you, every time you start crowd work, they push pause. Okay, he's at 15 minutes. Okay, he does another 10 of crowd work, and then, so, okay, he has 12 minutes of material. Yeah. You know? Well, I was up there for 30. Yeah, you were up there for 30, but you only had, so 
unless your whole act is going to be crowd work as a headliner, you know, why would you book somebody who doesn't have anything to say? No, for sure. And then when you do a special, how many specials? I mean, let's take Russell Peters out of the equation because what he, he does is, is a little different. But excluding him, how many specials do you see Chris Rock or Chappelle or Bill Burr talk to the audience? Yeah. So what's your goal as a comic? Yeah. Needs you know what I mean? It needs to be to write and yeah. tell jokes, not to... I do crowd work, but it's in the mixture of what I do as a comic. But here's the thing. I don't have to, I don't have to talk to the audience at all if I don't want to. Yeah. I don't. So when you do your special, you know, but you've been honing, honing your skiers, and how many couples we got in the house? You yeah, know? It's gonna, and it's, 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 it's okay to theater, do that. It is. It's fine to do that, but I'm just saying... From the big picture, if you're asking advice when, when we have these conversations in comics and you're in there and, you know, a younger comic like, man, I work with such and such. He got mad because I did crowd work. And I, my first question is, were you featuring or were you hosting? Because when you host, I think you should do a little crowd work. You know what I mean? Because it's like, hey. Right off the top. Yeah, you're making everybody, hey, you know, you got to make announcements. You got to do stuff. And you right. want to ease. You want to get them engaged. You want to get them engaged. Yeah. But if you're coming up as a feature after the MC is done all the hard work, taking the bullet. Like to me, the feature spot is the easiest spot in comedy. Yeah. Because you don't have to warm up the yeah. audience and there's zero expectations of you and the headliner has to do the heavy lifting. So you slide into this. It is a sweet spot. It's oh, a yeah, sweet for spot. Sure. Oh, all yeah. the drinks of, you know, the first round of drinks are on the table. Oh yeah, there's no interruptions. There's no talking, <laughs> there's no interruptions. You know, I got to no deal check with the check drop. drop. You know, I got to, and then I got, not only do I got to deal with the check, check drop, I got to do more time and I got to deal with all the shit that came on before me. Mm -hmm. So you're taking my way as a right, as a headliner to go, how long have you been married? 12 years. We told the other guy, you know? No, I agree. Well, and once the feature does that too, you're kind of expected to do it. Yes. Because another thing. Because, yeah. yeah, you. Man, thank you for bringing that point up. I had a conversation with the brand. I go, look, man, when you talk to the audience like that, they automatically think they can do that to everybody. So when I'm coming up on stage because they yelled out, you did crowd participation for the last 30 minutes. Now I'm on stage and I'm doing my material and people are yelling out. It's not their fault. No. You've set that tone. You let them know like this is, this is the night. The MC did it. He did it. So the headliner is going to do it. Luckily, I can shift gears and I can, I can do crowd work. But my thing is, in development as a comedian and wanting to grow, you know, you should, you should work on material, especially at that. Dude, I didn't do crowd work until I started headlining. Just, just because comics, dude, I would show up and be like, hey, man, they would have a list of fucking rules for you yeah. as a feature. The club would tell you. The comic wouldn't even have to tell you. Hey, man, so this is your time. The light's going to be right there. You're going to get a two-minute light. And then you could request a different light. But your ass had to be off stage at 25 minutes. Not 27. Yeah. Not 25, you know, 43. 40. Oh, yeah. You should be saying goodnight. I used to be so scared. I used to cut jokes off in the middle. You know, I'd see that light coming, and I'd look at my my watch, and then I'm like, "Bitch, uh, thank you guys for coming out." Like, I think my name is. I wouldn't even do the punchline because I I I want to work, you know. And a lot of times, these headliners, these features don't realize that these headliners will smile smile in your face and shake you. Oh man, great week, great week. I'll never work with that motherfucker again. Yeah. Oh yeah, all yeah. the time. 
All the time. Does it happen a lot? All the time. And I'll be talking to them because I'll know both too. parties. I'll know the feature and the headlines. Like, yo, man, I had a great week with such and such. It's like, man, I think we're going to work together. And then I just got off the phone. They're like, that motherfucker, I ain't never working with that dude again. But most people aren't honest and upfront. Oh, yeah. 100%. I just try to be honest with who I'm working with, you know? And that's why, as a, as a, even as a comic, when, when I was featured, I would go up to the headliners like, hey, man, is there anything that you'd prefer that I didn't do? You know, yeah. just because, one, I knew I had the material, you know? Yeah. So if they told me, hey, hey, man, if you couldn't do jokes about your dad, that'd be great. Now, I would think that would be weird, but I could accommodate that if I needed to. Yeah. You know, so don't get mad at the headliner because he has a bunch of rules. I don't have rules, really. Like I said, don't run the light. And my preference is you don't do a ton of crowd work. But even if you do that, my feeling is it's on you, dude. Yeah. Like, you it's not bad. gonna affect, yeah, it's not gonna affect me. me. Yeah. But when you you know call the club and want to you know uh, get headline or the club calls the calls me and go hey man uh, we had such and such feature when you went out of town what do you think can he headline what am I gonna say I don't know he mostly did crowd work it's true I mean he could stay up there if you need somebody to stay up there for forty five he might be able to do that yeah but I don't He's really do crowd work yeah though. I don't really know you know what I mean so you put. It's just like that's more your issue than it is my issue. And crowd work is not easy too. There's there, I mean, there's the the hacky easy jokes everybody does, but yeah. to be really good at crowd work, like you have to be. What was the most, it was the scariest thing for me in the beginning was yeah. just even because I started doing a lot at the comedy spot mm-hmm. and I started hosting there a lot. Yeah, and for you know only a year in. Yeah, and that was nerve wracking because yeah. I knew in in my mind that I, if something happened, I had to acknowledge it. Yes. I can't just let it go, mm-hmm. but now I can't react badly. Yes. It's like, how and, do I react to it? Yeah. How do, how do I get these guys to know what they need to do without running about the building and the headliners pissed off at me? Exactly. I, I knew I couldn't ruin the show for him. Yeah. I just didn't know how. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> and, and, and you learn that, but I just, you know, for me, that's, that's just how I came up. So when people ask me advice, I can only give it to them from my perspective, but I can, I can tell you from experience, if you sit with a bunch of comics, like, you know, some of the major headliners, I mean, they'll tell you the same thing. It's just like, I mean, it's literally in my head, it's like, why would you even, the feature spot? Really? Like, dude, when I was at a feature, I was trying to murder the fucking room with material. Material, yeah. And I wanted the headliner to be like, holy shit, I gotta follow that. I wanted the club to go, damn, man, that dude is killing it, he should headline. We need to finish it this next time. You know, and, and in, in to, to great uh, headliners' um, credit, you know, I used to feature for guys like Tom Rhodes and Reggie McFadden and George Lopez and um, who else did I used to feature for? There's just a couple of club comics that I, George's not a club comic, but there's some co- club comics that I used to feature for that after I feature for them, they would go to the management and go, hey, think's about time you bump this guy up. You know what I mean? Which is awesome to do because they respected the work ethic. They respected that I went up there and tried to work the craft and try to do material and, you know, and get and better write. and write. And, and you yeah. show that, you, that you're writing because ultimately that's what's respected. If your goal is to do a special and to be, you know, on HBO or Showtime or Netflix or whatever format, you know, crowd workers shouldn't be in your special. Now, do you think times have changed? Like, I think there's like a new 
and maybe it's in my head, but there's like a new generation of comic. Like I've I've had so many comics run the light and be like, "Well, I was killing it up there," and I'm like, "Look, man, this isn't your show. You yeah. haven't paid your dues. They're not they're not here to see you. They didn't yeah. even know you're gonna be here." Yeah. So, but do you think do you think that's changed over time, or has that always been? It's always or is been. It? It's always been like that, and it just comes it just comes back to respect. You know, there's sometimes, dude, when you're killing so hard, you don't want to get off the stage. But guess what? There's some comics that I got to come up after you, man. And that's not fair to them. Yeah. See, what's funny is a lot of comics don't respect something until they're put at a, in a position. Like, going last on a show and having to close shows, and when I mean close shows is meaning when you do normal shows where there's five, six guys on the lineup and you're always last. You're the headliner, the guy that goes last. Now, when, you don't, when you're not the last guy, you don't realize that you going over two minutes, the second guy going over two minutes, this guy going over two minutes. By the time it gets to you, the show is what? Like 15, 15 20 minutes, minutes behind? Yeah. So inste- seven. instead of going on, you know, at 11, now you're going on at 11.30, 11.40, you know, and that's fucked up to the guy who's going, now the crowd is tired. They've been waiting all night. Like, yep. that's not fair. So when I do a show and I'm not closing, number one, I'm extremely happy and I go, Man, such such going last, man. I'm a, I'll even cut my sh- set sh- short, and I've yeah. done that. If my boy is like headlining, and and you know he'll come like, Rube, can you just do ten, dude? I'm like, of course, dude. We've been here all night. I'm not gonna do that to you, man. Yeah. And it's not saying that he's not strong enough to do it, but why should he have to? Why can't he have a good night like everybody else? Why can't he have a fresh audience like everybody else? Mm-hmm. It's true. And then the, the openers are walking out with their chest poked out because they killed. It's like, yeah. I would have killed two at 9.15. (laughs) (laughs) I went on at 9.15. That headliner didn't touch me. I went on at 11.45. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like have respect for who, like, like, uh, I had an issue with with my show where there's a show prior to mine and Finesse Mitchell was closing my show. My show was supposed to start at 9.30. We didn't start until 10.30. The show, the the, the 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 audience that came to see the show had been standing outside since 8.45, 9 o'clock. So they didn't get in until 10.30. And he has to close the show. Yeah. So if he doesn't get a standing ovation at the end of the night, does that mean he's not a good comic? No. It, there's only so many laughs in a room, dude. So my thing was to be fair to finesse since I knew he was going to have to stay the whole night. I went to all the comics go, hey, dude, we got to cut everybody's time down. Yeah, I'm going to cut my time down. Everybody cut their time down. So when it gets to him, at least he can have the semblance of a fresh audience. Yeah. And he went up and he killed and he was appreciative. Why? Because there's a pro running the show who has respect for him and knows that he did me the favor of coming out, staying that long. The least I can do is put him in a position to win. And I think ultimately at the end of the day, when you put on a show, put everybody in a position to win so we can all go home happy and feeling good about ourselves. You know? Why do you have to get an extra five minutes of a hot audience and then this guy has to, has to wait and they're going to be tired and then you, you're going to drive home and say, he couldn't follow me. Really? He couldn't follow you? How about if he went up ahead of you and you went to that spot? You'd, right. cr- you'd probably start weeping on stage. And people forget that less is more. Like want, You want them wanting you more. They yeah. want, you want them to come back and see you. Well, in all fairness, I used to be the feature. I used to be the guy at the end of the night where the audience will come up and go, you should have been the headliner. And then you walk out with your chest 
chest pumped, you know, your chest oh, yeah. pumped out and you feel good. But then when you start headlining, you go, holy shit. Man, that feature spot was easy. They should have yeah. been saying that. And I tell my features all the time. If, if people aren't coming up to you saying you should have been the headliner, you probably didn't do that great. I, I don't get my feelings hurt, yeah. you know, because I know my comedy is not for everybody. I could offend somebody in the audience with some of, you know, with some of the things that I might say. So they might just shut off like, I like the white guy. <laughs> you know, yeah. you didn't talk about race or anything. You know what I mean? So if they're walking out and they go up to, the, to my feature who did great and they go, we thought you were the best. I'm not going to go home and weep in the hotel room. Like, good for you, dude. Good for that guy. Right? Good for you, man. That's what they should be saying. Well, yeah, and it's your best 20 versus, you know, an hour or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's... Dude, and, and then you feel like going to some of them, like, let me go up and do my 30 and let you close with your 20, and then good luck with that check drop, buddy, that right. you've never had to experience. First time I dealt with the check drop, I was on stage going, what the fuck just happened? And there's like everybody was listening, and then you kind of look around and go, oh shit. Did you get that? The check, the check, yeah. <laughs> like you're in a rhythm, you're in a zone, your performance, like, whoa, no one is laughing. What's going on? And then you kind of like look at the audience and go, oh shit, everybody's looking at their bill right Everybody's now. doing math. Yeah. <laughs> and then as a headliner, you learn how to navigate through that. Now the check drop doesn't bother me at all. All. What do you, do you have any like tips on or things? I, that I you do have do? tips, and well, I'll share them with you. you don't have, I, you I don't think have anybody. Um, what I do, I, I pace my act in a certain way. By the time the checks drop, I'm at the I'm I in my set. I'm at the most high energy. I'm at the best part of my set. Some people go. Some people like to let the check drop linger and then go into their stuff. Yeah. But I want to be so fucking funny while that check drop is up. I want, if you're, if you got your check, I want you to put the check down and go, we just got to wait. We, we'll wait till it's over. We don't, we don't want to miss really? anything. Okay. So put when that check drop comes, that's when I'm like, boom, hitting them. I speed up. I do everything. Cause I, I want them to, I want them to make a decision. Uh -huh. I want them to go, ah, fuck it. You know what I mean? Did you in the beginning though, maybe like slow down and, and realize that you couldn't maybe you slow Absolutely. down too yeah, much? I had, to, I, had, I, had to, I had to learn what worked best for me because I tell a lot of stories. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So the check drop could kill a story. Yeah. You know what I mean? So what I figured out, sometimes I used to pause and make jokes like, hey, do you need any help with that? You want me to chip in and kind of yeah. joke around with it, which is fine to do. I don't knock anybody who does that. But for me to build my set, because I like my set to have a upward trajectory if, mm -hmm. if possible, um, I just tried to t try to time my set that once I see those checks being dropped, I'm at the most interesting point of my set to make people make a choice of, am I going to fill out this check or am I going to watch this guy? And then when you get to a point where you're like a Louis C.K. or anything like that, you tell the club and go, guess what? You're not going to drop checks until I say goodnight. So you guys got to work that out. You know, where some comedians will say no check drops. Yeah. So barricade the doors, do what you got to do, but you will not be dropping checks while I'm on stage. Which, but I'm not in that position. I can't, yeah, I can't exactly. demand that. <laughs> no check drops day, doing Reuben Paul. Day, you know what I mean? One but day. one day I'll be in that position. But um, I, I learned that. I learned going through that, through having those lulls and figuring out how to navigate through that. So now check drop doesn't bother me at all. And I'm happy to say, usually at the end of my set, most of the people are still in the room filling out their checks. 
Why? Because I made them fucking put the check down. Yeah, another huge you compliment. Be a bad motherfucker to do that. <laughs> that's, that's a ballsy move. <laughs> you know what I mean? Bad motherfucker to do that right there. Oh, you know what I'm saying? No, but but I don't know that works. Raiders. And, and I know some other. Way. I know some other comics who who do that also. Just in comedy, because you ask people like, dude, what do you do with the yeah. check drop, man? And that's what worked for me, and that's what's been successful for me. So when I see that happen, I get louder. Like everything, like it's like somebody fucking injected right. me with you know, you know, vibranium or something. Like I'm I'm going hard on the check drop because I want people to stop and pay attention. Yeah. You can do deal with the check, you know, while the MC is saying give it up for Ruben Paul and everybody you saw tonight. Yeah, no, because you know? once they look at that check, you don't know if you're gonna get them back. Yeah, oh, most of them are angry at that point. <laughs> yeah, man, you know it's. You know, that's why when you work theaters and you work other places, you don't have to deal with that. It's such a cool thing. But, I mean, this ego in comedy, and you do need, obviously, need a little ego to do comedy. But sometimes it's like people are patting themselves on the back for the wrong things. Like, put everything in perspective. And when you kind of do that, like, there's headliners that I wish I can go up to, like, dude, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, you know, you walk around and thinking you're the shit. And then I'm telling you, man, once you get a taste and you start headlining, and then it's where you headline, too. When you're in in a city or a town that no one relates to you, you know, as a black comic, it's, it's like it's not, it's not like I'm one of these black comics who draws you know, an urban audience or just right. an all black audience. So sometimes I'm in fucking, you know, whatever city. And then Des Moines. this all white audience shows up. Half of them don't want to hear anything. They're already mad at you, you know, because <laughs> they think you're, you know, oh, it's just going to make fun of white people for an hour. Jesus Christ, Margie, why didn't you fucking look at the ticket before, you know? <laughs> so I'm always, I'm, I'm go, you know, like you got to battle through all that shit. You know what I mean? And then still kill, and, and then still kill. get your point of view across. But I've done it long enough where I know what I'm doing, and I know how to do that. I know I don't do a lot of racial stuff up front if it's a really, really white audience, because the reason I don't, because that's what they're expecting, and I don't want them to go, just shut off. Yeah. You know, because they think, because they have their stereotype of what black comedy is. So they think, wait, white people are crazy. So I'm not going to do... <laughs> An hour of white people are crazy. I don't even do that shit. Yeah. But if I make a racial joke in the front, they might think that that's what I'm. That's what's do. coming. That's what's gonna come. So I just fucking I'll soften them up, and then once they like me, once they know that I'm open-minded, once they know that I respect people from the inside out, or I judge people from the inside out, and then they take a deep breath and they can excel, then I can make my social points that are very important to me, that they need to listen to with open ears. You know, it's it's hard having a conversation with people if they're closed-minded. So you just try to open up their minds. Now we can talk about a little racism, and I can give you a little perspective on why we might do this or why we might do that to create conversation, you know? The good thing, you know, at a lot of the shows, like, people want to talk to me about things that I... That I've talked about, hey, I, you know, I, I like your message. I appreciate what you said about that and this and that. But if I came out in the very beginning, like, man, you mother- white people, shit. You you hear somebody just got eaten at the zoo. You know it was a white person. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but you do know it was a white person that got eaten at the zoo. Course, I mean, you I do mean, know. That's that's <laughs> pretty <laughs> much. <laughs> yeah, that ain't happening. You know, <laughs> man, I'm not even, and I'm not trying to shit on comics who do that. I'm just saying. Yeah. 
you know, um, everybody Ruben has Paul just shit on you guys. All you black comics, you just shit oh, is this on you. Oh, yeah, that's being recorded. Oh. Everybody's listening right now. They're like, fuck Ruben oh, Paul. Wow. They probably do hate me. I, I'm just trying to keep it 100. I don't know. I'll be interested. Are they hating me? This is a really educational podcast. It, it wasn't I, educational. I, 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 I learned a lot. Let me tell you something. I love comedy. When I tell you I love comedy, I love comedy. I love comedians. That's why I don't let audience members shit on other comedians. Like, you're not an audience member that's going to come up to me. Even when it was Carlos Mencia, when everybody was going after Carlos Mencia, it's just like, yeah, he did what he did or he is who he is, and I'm not friends with him, and I, and I don't care for his comedy, but I'm not going sit, to sit with an audience member and shit on somebody. That's like... I can talk shit about my mama, but you can't talk shit about right. Like, you're not going to let your man, man, your mama a bitch. Like, whoa. I call my mama a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't let me go outside and play. You can't call my mama a bitch. You know what I mean? So, and At I least kinda, Mrs. Bitch. And I kind of feel like that. Are there comics that I don't like? Of course. Are there comics I don't get along with? Not that I know of, but I respect anybody who, who does what we do. Yeah. I know how hard it is. You know, I did a show, you know, uh, two weeks ago and um, they booed one of the comedians and I go up on stage I go I go you know and they, they booed him not because it was bad everybody was wasted so I told the audience I go I go you know how disrespectful you guys are I go number one you're hammered you didn't even listen to the person this person when they knew that they're gonna do a spot tonight was nervous all day they might have even bought an outfit. They're in the mirror practicing. They're doing, you know, you know those things. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, comedy. Like, for sure. It's like you, I, I got a set tonight. You got those butterflies and all that. And then you come and people don't even listen. Like, that's just disrespectful. You know, so I root for comedians to do well. I'm Good. not a hater. You know yeah. what I mean? I want, I want my openers to kill. I, I, I absolutely want strong openers and features. Because to me, that makes me elevate my game. There's nothing... There's nothing that makes me feel better than seeing my opener destroy and me knowing I got to top that. Yeah. You know, I, I got to bring it. And, and do I top it all the time? No. Do I top it most of the time? Absolutely. And I bring other headliners Talk with, to me. with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't bring, because I don't know a lot of features. That's the problem. I would give people opportunity. But my buddies are headliners. Yeah. So if I have a week and they're not going to, dude, you working this week? I'm like, no, nah, I'm off. Like, dude, I'm not trying to insult you, but do you want to come? They said I could bring my own feature. I mean, it's X amount of dollars. Like, fuck it, I ain't doing shit. Yeah, I'll, I'll come do it. And then I'll show up to the club and go, that's your feature? <laughs> I go, yeah, it's one of my best friends. Like, holy shit, this is going to be a great show tonight. And then my boy who's the headliner, he knows he's going to stick to his time. Yeah. You know, he's not going to try to bury me. But you can just trust I can, you could just trust you it. You trust it. You know what I mean? And you know shows if I told you some of the guys right. that I brought with me, there'd be names that you guys recognize and go, man, really? you brought that guy to feature? You know? I remember doing a show in San Francisco uh, with, a, with a comic by the name of Edwin San Juan. He's a... Uh, oh, I know, yeah. Edwin yeah. has a show in Vegas. So we were doing a... Planet Hollywood. I was doing, I was doing a San Francisco punchline. And um, I was the headliner. And, you know, there's, there's a huge Asian population in San Francisco. So a lot of Asians were at my show and the manager comes up to me and goes, you brought an Asian feature to San Francisco? And I go, <laughs> yeah. And he goes, all right. 
So I'm in, I'm in back of the room, dude, and Edwin is murdering the place. <laughs> I mean, he's doing every, like, he is absolutely murdering the place. <laughs> and the manager comes by, looks at me, and goes, <laughs> and I told him, I go, don't even worry. And I went up after him and I killed just as hard as he did. Right. You know, that's how, but it, I'm not going to lie. I was nervous. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm in the back of the Maybe it was a mistake to Maybe breathe. Maybe I messed man. up. Shit. You guys got a white boy that you can breathe from the bullpen? <laughs> Can't follow that shit. But, you know, I, um, but it, you know, those are the things that makes you a better comic. And it made me, so when I went up after he murdered, I knew I, I changed the order of my set. He made me do that. Like, I didn't have the same fucking opener. I came, you know. Check drop right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> Check drop right off the bat. This motherfucker made me do my A material from minute one. But, you know, but again, but the cool thing is once I knew that, okay, the audience knew like, wow, that dude is really funny. Then I kind of shift, shifted gears and went back to you right. know, the normal flow of the set. But, yeah, dude, it's... um. It's, it's great, and there's a lot of comedians, and I don't knock them, who don't want strong people ahead of them. Yeah. They just don't. And then as features, we criticize. I'm like, man, he can bring some whacked-ass comedians with him, so make him look better. That's their right. I don't do that. I like, I like people who kill, but again, within the frameworks of being respectful. And I prefer not to have a dirty comic in front of me. I prefer to have somebody who doesn't do crowd work, but if that's what they do, Fine, but just know when I choose, when I have the work, I might not choose that type yeah, of comedy. Yeah, of course, yeah, you know? that's right. And that's, and that's my right, and it has nothing, and, and that's the thing a lot of features get in it. They all, they automatically go to, uh, he just can't follow me card. And it's, right. it's not even about that, dude. It's totally different. Sometimes no. you just don't want to fucking work that hard. Yeah, exactly. It's like, dude, you want to, I don't do any sexual dick and pussy material. You did that for 25 minutes. Now I got to literally go up, sweep the stage off, and then present. Well, it's not even about working hard. It's about doing what you, you want to do. do. Yeah, that's, that's it. The, that's the way things. Doing what you want to do. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of debates in the comedy world. And, and since people know I don't have a lot of rules, they'll be like, man, such and such told me not to do this. Such and such told me not to do that. And I go, dude, I wouldn't do that, but I'm not mad at them for doing that. Like, that's, that's their right. It's their show. Yep. They're the ones they who brought it. you in. You know, are allowed you to be on the show. Because trust me, if the headliner goes to the manager and I go, if I went to Matt and I go, hey, man, you got to give me somebody else, dude. I don't, I don't, he would switch the guy out. Oh, 100%, yeah. He, Matt would call him, like, look, dude, uh, headliner's really not feeling it, man. I'll, I'll make it up to you. I'll get you another week. I don't do that because I don't like to take money out of people's pockets. Yeah. But my thing is just, just be respectful of the headliner. Respectful. And that's why I've always continued to work. Because I never let my ego get too out of control, even when I was getting the pats on the back. You know, I kind of realized there was a bigger picture to this. And I know how to get what I need out of it and also be... I'm so good at featuring, if I had to feature. I know how to set the, I know how to set the headliner up to kill. Just, I know yeah. the type of material I would do where he can just slide, slide right, right into in. it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what's cool when you work with other headliners. Like when I bring my boys, he's like, yo, I'm gonna close on this. And I go, oh shit, perfect. Cause if you close on that, then I'm like, man, you hear what this motherfucker said? And then yeah, I just then go right, right into, into it, it and boom, boom, you're right into it. So to me, at the end of the day, I want, I want it to be a great show. If somebody comes to my show, even this week, 
I'm gonna be funny. So I know people are gonna say you are great, but I feel better when they go, man, that was a great show. Yep. Fucking opener was great. The feature was great. You, that's a great. And people live with a better feeling than when people coming up to me is like, I thought you were never gonna get on. Jeez. Well, and people talk about the negative too. So even if you had a great show, if someone, if the opener sucked, yeah, that's what they're gonna be talking about. Like, oh, the, the, the other guy was good, but the, the opener was just fucking horrible. And I, and I guess if you if you're a bigger name and you don't want a strong act in front of you, I guess it doesn't matter because there's such an anticipation for the headliner, it doesn't matter. But for me, man, I just want it to be a great show. I just want somebody funny that get those butterflies going in the back of the room instead of me being in the back of the room like, damn, man, I gotta bring this crowd from the dead. Well, I mean, you, know? I mean, you can tell you do because it's just because of the way you produce your own show. Yeah. You can tell you care. Yeah, I, I you do You just care, want man. good shows, even yeah. if you're not on the show. I just, <laughs> you just want I just a good want, show. I just want good <laughs> shows, man. and want Because a lot of people aren't going out to see comedy. Yeah. So you want to give them the best comedy experience when they come to a club. So they want to come back and out then, right away. You know, you want to give them something a little that they're not going to get on Netflix. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? That is the cool thing about doing maybe a little bit of crowd work because you're not going to see that on Netflix. You know what I mean? You might not see Burr, you know, crack the, the, the third wall. Exactly. You know, and actually, you know, talk to somebody in the audience or, or whatever. He doesn't really talk to the crowd anyway, but I'm just giving an example. Of right. There's certain things that you see live that you will never be able to get by sitting in front of your TV. Oh, never. And that's why whenever I do a show or whenever time I go, thank you for supporting live comedy. Like you, like the, this is something you want, you can't get. Like it, comedy will always be better live than on, on, always, on a computer. Always, absolutely. Always, 100%. It'll always be better. So whatever you're enjoying through your screen, like you're not getting the full, whoever your favorite comedian is, go see them. And see how much. Uh, hopefully, they're they're much funnier. Just the energy. Just the energy. Just the energy is everything. It's the best. It's, it's, the best. it's the best feeling in the world to do live shows, man. And and something happens. A waitress breaks a glass, or somebody snorts, or somebody spills food. Or, yeah. Like all that stuff is, or somebody has a crazy laugh, or somebody yells out something stupid, or whatever it is. And you could just use that and incorporate it into your act. That's something that people remember. Right. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. But again, to me, that's what, the, what that's the headliner's job, not the features. But again, I'm being redundant great. now. But I, I love it. I love comedy. That was Ruben Paul against features. Uh, <laughs> check out our special Trust next me, week. I love feature because I've, I've featured. There's yeah. a lot of headliners who who skip the feature skip spot. It, yeah. And I won't call any of those guys out. And they try to act how tough their road was. Like, dude, talk to me when the club wouldn't give you a hotel and you're calling around trying to find a place to stay or you sleep in your car or, you know, what all the shit that you have to deal with or you get left and stranded at the airport or you got to find your way here, but, you know, all the things that you deal with are getting underpaid for the week, you know, having to fly yourself there, find your place to stay, like all these things that you, you put up with. That's why I root for features and I want them to do Oh, well. yeah, I don't, yeah, I definitely you know, think and I, I want them to be successful and the whole crowd work thing in front of the headliner it's not more so of you know not letting you do what you want to do it's like dude in my opinion doing material is going to benefit you benefit way you. yeah you're just looking out you're not talking shit you're looking out for him you're just, just looking you're, out you're just looking him, out and being like work because most most headliners won't tell you hey yeah. features most headliners will not tell you anything yeah. they'll smile in your face and then they'll be like i'm never working with that motherfucker again yep
That's what they say. Yeah. They don't tell you and then as a feature, like, man, I had a great week with such and such. Man, he might use me the next time I come back. Because it's easier. Yeah. It's easier to do that. Yeah, it's easier to put it on me. It is. <laughs> it's easier because to put it on then when, then when I, but here, It's funny you say that. And I go, dude, why don't you just tell him, like, I don't know that motherfucker. Like, I don't care. He ain't going to make it anyway. Like, right. that's like, right. just like that. One more down. Yeah, it's one more down, dude. I'm not here to help and educate people. But me, I love to... You know, I love to see the art form progress and, and get better. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to work with some of the best comics in the world, and they've asked me for my opinion and write for some of the best guys that are working today. So I just love, I just love comedy and love comedians and want to see everybody do well. And whether we're a star or become famous and everything, the public decides that. Right. It's not my job. Yeah. I just go up and do the best job that I can, and hopefully enough people start to see me that you know, my, my career will continue to take an upward trajectory. But that's not up to me. I can do what I, I can do. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's all, that's all you can do. So it's not being, I'm not even necessarily competitive with other comics. I want to see people do well and, and be successful because my lane ain't your lane. I, I'm doing my own shit over here. Yeah. You know, now if we're on a show together, do I want to have the strongest set on the show? Of course. I mean, that's the competitive part, but not. I'm not celebrating somebody having a bad set. I'm not hoping for anybody to have a bad set. If anything, it's just I use it as motivation. Right. Not really competitive. Re You're not doing it to sabotage either. Yeah. You're doing it to just bring the show. Dude, make it I mean, the best there used to be bought. shows that I would be on, man, and you're just talking about, like, I mean, <clears throat> from like Dane Cook. <clears throat> sorry. Late great Freddie Soto, Johnny Sanchez, Tony Rock, Godfrey, like all on the same lineup. And everybody's just massacre in the room. So when you're watching that and you're, you're like, next, you're hype. You know what I mean? It's like, bring it on. These motherfuckers, yeah. let's go. That's what we're doing tonight. You know, let's keep the mic hot. You know what I mean? That's, that's excitement. That's fun. It's not like, man, this motherfucker, man. Get that motherfucker to light. You know what I mean? Right. It's not that type of energy with me. Yep. I right. love to see... People kill, man. It's an all-star game. Yeah, that's what it is. It's a, it feels like an all-star game. Yep. And that's how I try to do Ruby Tuesdays, my show. I try to make it that type of environment where everybody could shine. You know, the, the leadoff hitter is not the, is not the cleanup hitter. And he's not the cleanup hitter for a reason. Doesn't mean that the DH is a better player. Right. It's just he brings a different skill set. And let's highlight everybody. Just a bunch of all-stars just having a good time. Just a bunch of all-stars, man. We're all here <laughs> trying to do it. I talk about different stuff than you talk about. The audience might feel your point of view more than they might feel my point right. of view tonight. doesn't mean that you're a better comic than me. And then if it's my night and it's an audience that is conducive, like my sweet spot is a mixed audience. If you give me a room 50-50, mm -hmm. like half white, half black, I'll be really tough to follow on that. I mean, I'm a big fan. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like... I love mixed audiences. I love mixed audiences because that's how I was raised. Right. I was raised around different type of people, so I understand the sensibility of it. And that's naturally what I do comedically. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But you know the competitive stuff with comic comics shit on other comics. It ain't worth. It. I just don't like hacks and people who, you know, steal material right. and do shit like that to get ahead. I don't respect that at all. But again, I still won't shit on them publicly. That's not my job. Right. And, I, you know, I've always felt the same way. Like, I want everyone around me to do well because that only helps you. That only brings, like, like, your friends are going to bring you up. You know, and even if they don't, like, it still helps comedy, helps everybody. So, you know, 
I never wish anything. How long is this podcast? Well, we've been, we, we've been we're, on here for we're, three we're, hours. We're, we're, we're actually, <laughs> it's the roots. The roots of podcasts. We do it about an hour. And we're, no, we're, we're, actually, we're, we're about there. Well, right well, well, Shannon, the, uh, the GM here now, when I first met her, the thing that I, I told her this twice already is she loves comedy. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And to meet somebody that's not a comic that appreciates comedy and you know, and gets it from that outside perspective and, that, and wants to work in it, that's a great thing to have, oh, yeah. you know, at a club. Oh, she's oh, great she's in the room, great. too, because she's got the best laugh that you can tell oh, a mile <laughs> away. It's amazing. It's, 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 it's so in the back. And then, and then to, to, to meet her being, you know, a server, and then now a GM just shows, like, you know, she she's doing what she came out here to do. Yeah, right. I thought Arizona was a weird place to come do it, but yeah, for sure. it worked out. <laughs> like, how great is that for her to go, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I want to do. And, that, and, I, and I always say the same thing about Tiffany Haddish, who's a great friend of mine and who's the hottest comic in the country right now, is one thing that people who know her can always say, literally everything that's happening to her right now, she spoke it into existence. Even when she wasn't having good sets, even when things weren't going well, I'm going to be a star. Y'all going to see. Y'all going to see. She ready. <laughs> like, you, like constantly to the point like, Tiffany, shut the fuck. You, you going to see. I'm going to be doing movies. You going to see me on the Oscars. And she would tell the audience, this ain't just, this ain't no new shit. This is from 10, 15 years ago. Yep. Tiffany just didn't start doing comedy, but she stayed diligent. And when I saw her on Tuesday night, it just... It makes me emotional. Like I almost want to. I'm so happy for her because I know what she's been through. I've seen her journey. I've seen the tears. You know, I've held her when she's cried. You know what I mean? And now presenting on the Oscars. You know what I mean? Huge. It's just. And for somebody who spoke it, that's like they say, speak it even when you don't believe it. Because sooner or later, you'll start to believe it. And you can speak your future into existence. I believe I'm I going on tour with Ruben Paul. Anyway, That's what I let me see. You got you know. me preaching, but I, I just, you know, I just believe anybody can do whatever they want to do if they, no, I, if they put their mind to it and just stay committed and don't listen to what other people say because people will always try to put their shit on you because they didn't go for it because they didn't take chances. Now you're, oh, you think you could do comedy or you think you could do that, and that makes you feel like, yeah, what am I thinking? I shouldn't right. go for it. No, man, it doesn't matter. Some people might, you know, to me go. You know, Ruben, you should have made it a long time. How come you're not more famous and this and that? But my time is going to come. I know my time is going to come. Yeah. And I yeah. can't wait for my time to come. And you walk in that truth and you you believe that. And that's one thing that's so inspiring about Tiffany is you sit up there and you'll be laughing and like, I'm all like, damn, she did it. She did yeah. exactly what she said she was uh, going to do. Even when people were shitting on her. No, thousands and of people, people told her no. Shitting on her. That's why it's so funny now. All these comics that used to talk shit about her are now sucking up to her and posting on Facebook every photo with Tiffany Haddish. Like, you've been <laughs> shitting on her for the last 10 years. Now, all of a sudden, that's your girl. <laughs> Come on now. I'm telling Tiffany, I go, how, how do you stomach all the people you know that used to fucking shit on, on you and, and hate on you? You know what I mean? But yeah. it's a part of the game. I don't hold any grudges. Like, people call me to do my show that I know that don't even like me. You know, hey, man, can I do Ruby Tuesdays? Why are you? You don't even like me. <laughs> I know you don't like me, you know, but yeah. It says right here, you, you don't, don't like, like me. me. Exactly. <laughs> where, where's, where's Ruby Tuesdays at? I uh, do it at the, uh, every Tuesday night at the Hollywood Laugh Factory. Hollywood Laugh Factory. Yeah. So if you're awesome. ever in LA, um, you know, stop by. It's a, it's a great show. Yeah. But um, 
you know, I'm happy to be here at the, at the House of Comedy this week. No, we, so we love it's, having you here. It's, uh, it's a great room. Um, Rick and Tammy run a great club, and it's one of my favorite rooms to work. And the audiences here are great because, you know, the new ones that don't know me, it's like I get to indoctrinate them into yeah. what I do. And, you know, half of them probably like, well, I wasn't really expecting that. People have told me, like somebody told me, you're like, I thought you were just going to bash Trump the last time I was here. I thought you were just going to bash Trump. Like, he bashes himself. Like, I really don't <laughs> need to come up there and do it. Now, I might have a couple of points to make, yeah. but my thing isn't about who's right and who's wrong. It just present presenting the facts. You know, I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat or this, this, and that. It's just, let's just discuss truth. And then however you want to interpret interpret that, that's that's on you. But that's just, that's me who, that's who I am as a person. I love people who come up and have a strong point of view and they're anti this or whatever. I am to a certain extent, but I'm a, a very diplomatic person to show both. Now, I will tell you my point of view, but I will also let you know, I could understand how you might think that, right. but that is racist. And I kind of use that in my act. Like when I asked, uh, I, last night I said, who's seen uh, Black Panther? And 90% of the room didn't clap, which showed me that it was a predominantly white room, right? Yeah, true. And then what did somebody do without me even prompting? We saw a get out. That's the, someone yelled that out. Why? Because instinctually, we'll let them know I, I'm not racist. I'm not racist. Yeah. So I'll get I out. I did see <laughs> a man of color on the big screen. You could just not like comic book movies. I mean, that's fine. Exactly. <laughs> but the joke is, which is funny, is, you know, with Black Panther, the thing I love about Black Panther is white people aren't allowed to give their true opinions about the movie. Like, how'd you like Black Panther? It was great. <laughs> <laughs> Cinematically, it was a masterpiece. And it sounds like, I don't the even costuming. like comic book movies, but I'm forced to say I liked it because if I don't, I'll be racist. I really understood everything that was going on <laughs> yeah. in their culture. <laughs> but I love the movie. Why? Because the images, you know, it's nice to see, you know, different images and gives you, uh, you know, even with Obama, people's like, well, Obama's this, but from a black perspective, whether you dealt with his politics or not, it's just cool for a little kid to be like, Wow, I could I could actually maybe be president one day. Like yeah. it's an option where for me growing up, that was n your mom would never tell you, boy, you can be president one day. What of the PTA, yeah. not the United <laughs> States of America? There's never been one ever in the history of our country. The White House was built by slaves, and now they have a black man as president. Like that's a dude from an emotional point of view, from a, from a self esteem point of view. See, white people, you guys have always had positive images. Yeah, but Trump's you know? done a lot for the Oompa Loompas. They, he's given them hope. <laughs> anyway, Every let me go. I can talk does. for hours, Yes, man. thank you for being here. Do you want to, you got anything you want to plug in here? Um, anything coming up? What's going on? I don't know what I want to plug. Well, you're here all week. I'm here all week at the House of Comedy, March 7th through 11th. Well, today's the 8th. I'll be here all week. So come check me out. It's a great show. You have a good time. You could bring all your friends out, no matter what race they are, and they will laugh and have a good time. I guarantee you that. And then if you're ever in L.A., come to the Laugh Factor. I do Ruby Tuesdays every Tuesday night at the Hollywood Laugh Factor. And it's a great, diverse show. And I bring together a nice mix of comic, no matter black, white, Asian, Latino, gay, straight, alternative. It doesn't matter. I try to get everybody on one show with different points of views because that's what the world is. Everybody doesn't have to think the same yeah. and feel the same. And that's what's weird now. Everybody thinks that we all have to agree on anything. We don't, but we should agree on truth. So. Truth. Anyway, Good that's it. I'm signing out. Yeah, thank you, man, for doing the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. This was a lot of fun, actually. A lot of fun. So. We're good. Cool. We did have a couple of loose ends, actually. Oh, uh, we did? 
Yeah, uh, Matt, your mother's an astronaut was made popular by the movie White Man Can't Jump. So oh, it is a real thing. See? Very unpopular amongst the <laughs> podcast crew tonight. Uh, Ruben does not give his age, and it's also not readily found on the internet, so well played. Uh, and, and the person eaten at the zoo was, in fact, white. Her name was Stacy. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank awesome. you guys so much. And those were our facts from our producer, Buck. Thank you. Thank you this Buck. has been Crack House. We will see you next week. Arroyo Entertainment. Record, mix, and master your work in a private studio in Central Phoenix, near Camelback and Central, south of Uptown Plaza, near the light rail station. And you know they also do photography for your events, wedding, and portraits. Check them out online at oldarroyoentertainment.com. That's Old Arroyo, A-R-R-O-Y-O, entertainment.com. Big Pine Comedy Festival, September 19th to 22nd in downtown Flagstaff, Arizona. Check us out online at bigpinecomedyfestival.com.